service midweek. We're going to forget everything of the day. Man, Sister Margaret, Sister Calista, good to see you. Usually you're down here somewhere, not way up there. Amen. I, we're going to sing, I want to sing this morning, looking for a city this evening, looking for a city. We're going to, something, we have something to look forward to. We're not working for down here, are we? <laughs> that would be a sad state of affairs. Here we are, and these, you're going to sing with all your might tonight. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, right? Like Abraham did. You're going to have to stand with me and sing this one. Amen. Here among the shadows is where we're living. You ready? Amen. Well, here among the shadows living in a lonely land with strangers where a band of pilgrims on the move. through dangers and burdens down with sorrow and we're shunned on every hand. But we are looking for a city
second, Brother Mike? Yes, sir. That's a song you need to take a deep, deep breath to sing, don't you? <laughs> My goodness. Hey, man, I want to sing I've Never Been Sorry. It's a song we haven't sung in a long time. When you get Jesus, you ain't never sorry. No, sir. Who knows this song? Good. Got to sing it real loud. Yep, we're going to sing verse 1. Ever since Jesus saved and pardoned, I've been singing just every day. I've never been sorry. So, convince me that you've never been sorry, okay? And we're going to have this part of the congregation sing the other line there. Praise the Lord. The brackets. We've sung this before, right? Amen. Everybody in the balcony, everybody over here, you're the first part. Everybody over here, you're the second part. When we get to the chorus, all right? And everybody on the streaming, you sing it just as hard and just as loud in your room. Because you need not just convince me, but you're singing to him. I've never been sorry since I trusted in you. Amen? All right? Levi, you going to sing with me? Good. Verse 2. Here we go. All the day long I sing the story. Great before him
When is that real to you? You got someone we're singing about. Amen. Bless his name. Well, we're just going to go to prayer a little here. I don't have any written prayer requests before me. I know we do have different needs across the body. Remembering the different churches, remembering Brother Ron Spencer's church as well, once again, as they're just dealing with the COVID and different ones that are sick at home. And we just keep battling this. Keep battling. We ain't going down. We're just going to keep fighting. Maybe we'll sing, My Jesus Knows Just What I Need as we go to prayer. Maybe Brother Michael will have you come and just open in a word of prayer just after we sing that. Amen. My Jesus knows just what I need. Oh, yes, He knows just what exactly what we need oh god and we thank you for that presence lord that we feel here lord each one bringing their licks of fire lord into your presence oh god what a great light what a great comfort what a great warmth of the holy ghost oh god and as we look around the room we see the different ones it's so blessed to see brother john and sister sharon amongst us lord just such a wonderful thing lord we as your children can gather in your name it wasn't supposed to be like this lord but you know lord jesus and you know how long it's going on for and we know lord jesus that you have everything under control there's no doubt there's nothing in us that doubts lord god that you are moving in this day in this generation in our age in us to do exceedingly abundantly and lord god we want to surrender our whole being to you lord you know exactly what we're supposed to be lord as we heard from brother murphy on sunday oh god you have an image of us and we won't settle for anything less satan we deny you in the name of jesus christ we deny you satan
Oh God, our Heavenly Father, Thou art awesome, O oh God. You are worthy of our worship, Lord. You are worthy to be praised, O oh God. Holy, holy is Your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Name above every name. Glory to Your holy name, O oh Jesus. Oh, I love You, Lord Jesus. Your people bow before You. We lift our hands. We worship the true and living God, the I Am, the author and giver of life, the author and finisher of our faith, the mighty one, the conqueror, the great I Am. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We lift our, your holy name, Lord Jesus. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be lived for, oh God. There's nothing in this world that holding us, nothing worthy of our time, nothing worthy of our efforts. Oh God, come consume us, Lord. Consume us, Lord Jesus. Consume us, Lord. Come, oh precious Father. Lord, have your way, Lord Jesus. Lord, you have everything under control, Lord churches that are shut down with COVID and we're so fortunate here Lord God we remember Lord Jesus that but for the grace of God go I and Lord we want to stay under the banner of your protection Lord and Lord we just ask you Father in your mighty name Lord to go to each one that is sick in body Lord whether it be under this sickness Lord if it be Lord as our brother Ron Spencer and various ones Lord the soldiers real soldiers Lord showing the way Lord just be with them Lord and strengthen refresh them Lord bring them through once more Lord Jesus for your glory O God bless us now to receive the word O God with thanksgiving and praise we love you Lord we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Brother Mike. God bless you. You may have your seats tonight. day that will be when my Jesus I shall see amen just we're gonna not take up any time here we're gonna let brother Tim you can just turn me down a little bit there so I uh, give brother Tim his time and I am just gonna make a little just a couple announcements before we turn to the word and just brother Tom mentioned a little bit just to tighten up our chains a little bit on Sunday with uh, just uh, our how we're conducting here at the services and here in the chapels that supplies to every one of us some of this some specifics to hear but um we're just wanting to be very aware of of uh, of how we're handling ourselves um both inside here and the deacons are just helping keep the order for our distancing etc but it also applies outside and um and so I, I, I know in some of our guidelines we stated, you know, just to kind of go out and hit the cars and kind of limit that time there. But I, I don't have a problem with the fellowship out there. Uh, and that's a big part of being able to 
come to the chapel at the camp or here and be able to just to fellowship. But it is very important that we uh, maintain some distance. I came out on Sunday and I was a little bit, uh, oh dear, <laughs> we're just a little bit bunched too much. And so we need to be very aware of that. We are on 186th. We have neighbors across the back that are uh, very very keen and and uh, they just see a whole lot of cars in our parking lot and all they need to say is yeah there's there's way more than than uh, than they're allowed there and someone needs to come and we don't need that you know so i just want everybody both here and out on the internet as well please be very conscious of how it's perceived uh from from the road and uh from our neighbors so just when you're outside please uh fellowship but distanced as as we should and just be that uh testimony here in, in at the church and uh those that do come for the balcony please you do need to still park over on that side of the parking lot and so we're not all sitting here again it just comes out and it's like whoa there's a lot of cars there we're essentially allowed 50 cars but uh, we don't need to pack them all in one spot so so just please if you're on the balcony you need to park on the far side past the pylons there and uh and we'll just be as conscious as we can, and we just kind of jerk our chains a little bit so that we follow what we need to to do and and uh, not bring any ill-needed attention to ourselves. Good? All right. Amen. Well, we're going to sing a couple songs here. There's a couple courses we haven't sang in a while. And then Brother Tim, he can come out as he desires. We're ready for the word tonight. Not... Not uh, not me singing. You sing to him and better, better team can come out. We're going to sing this. The world can never hold me anymore. And I'll be gone. Amen. All right. I think yep, yep. This old world can never hold me anymore. Oh, and I'll be gone. Or I'll be Shepherd put honey on the rock so the sheep would lick the honey and get limestone nutrients. And that's all he has care for you. He puts a little honey there, so you come to that rock and you lick of it and receive nutrients for your spiritual soul. Amen? Sweet honey in the rock. Sweet honey in the rock. Oh, it tastes like honey in the rock. Oh, taste and see that glory. Oh, it 
me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. as he did in Jerusalem, as they waved palms, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, we'd be standing, we'd be shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King of Kings. So let's stand tonight and let's sing it like he was walking and is walking down to our aisles tonight. Amen. Oh, give me all in my life. Wonderful Redeemer, we come into your house with praise. We enter your gates with thanksgiving. We say, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Lord, we thank you for your redemptive work in our lives. We thank you for eyes to see and ears to hear. We thank you, Lord, for your many blessings Great are the blessings of the Lord who heals all of our sicknesses and diseases. We forget not your benefits, who forgiveth all of our sins. Lord, we rejoice in you this evening. We thank you for this service, this time that we can have together here. Canada, United States, even around the world, people will be streaming right now. And Lord, we thank you for each and every one. Lord, may your presence... Just connect us all together 
in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Lord, you look down upon, if, if not a sparrow falls from heaven, but what you knoweth. Surely, Lord, you know each and every one that's gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ right now. We ask your blessing upon them. We ask you, Lord, to lead your word to meet the need of every individual. We commit the service to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Brother Michael, for that song service. We love Brother Michael being Brother Michael. Amen. We wouldn't want him to be anybody else. Don't be an old stodgy person like me. You know, just it's just good the way you are. And we appreciate each and every one of you the way you are. Amen. It's good to be yourself. You know, a prophet of God once said, be yourself. He says, everybody will like you better and God will too. I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of what he said. You know, that's the way the Lord loves us is the way he made us. Amen. So let's take our Bibles and turn together to the book of Luke this evening. Well, I have a little thought. Thank you, musicians, and uh, appreciate each and every one contributing to the service. Praise the Lord. Um, Luke chapter 10, we'll begin reading at verse 17. I want to take a subject, a kind of a carry forward from the last subject of after love comes joy. I want to zero in on the joy because your name is written in heaven. The joy because your name is written in heaven. And uh, we'll just see how far we get tonight, see whether we finish tonight or continue on Sunday morning, which, Lord willing, we'll take the Sunday morning as well. So you be praying, and above all, just pray that the Lord will have His way. Luke chapter 10 and verse uh, 17 is where we will begin. And the 70 returned again with joy. Now remember Jesus had sent out the 70 two by two to go and minister. He gave them power over devils and, and all sorts of things over diseases. And they returned with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. So there was great joy here. This is a particular type of joy. And there's many aspects of joy throughout the scripture for different reasons. But Jesus said unto them, I I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. If this is the kind of power they had without the Holy Ghost, what kind of power do we have by the Holy Ghost? All right. And he says, notwithstanding... Notwithstanding all of that power, and I'm sorry to keep you standing, but let me just say, who wouldn't be happy to see devil subject unto them? Who wouldn't be happy to see Satan fall from heaven like lightning? Who wouldn't be happy and rejoicing at that and go, boy, we had a meeting. Did you see that one get healed? Did you see the devil come out of that one? Did you see that that one there? And Jesus says, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. 
All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. And he turned him unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Rejoice that because your names are written in heaven. What does it mean to be written in heaven? What does it mean to be written? What does it mean when you write something down, when you record something? Obviously, the purpose is that it's something worth remembering. Can you say amen to that? Some of you even come to church and you have your notepads and your pens and because you're not going to write down every word that I say. You're not a scribe that's going to record every part of the service. We have recording equipment that does that. But, but you want to record what speaks to you. When, when something, uh, inspires something within yourself, you want to make a record of it because you want to look at it again. You might even go back to the service later on and say, oh, there was something Brother Tim said there. There's a scripture he read or there was a quote that he read and, and I just didn't quite get it, but it sure inspired me. And so you might listen to it again or watch it again in order to pick something up. So it's a record. It's something that's recorded for future reference. It's something that, that then it be, at the time that it's recorded, then you expect that that recording or that writing is going to have a future application. Can you go with me there? Now in Malachi chapter 3, and, and if you brothers that are in the booth can, I'll be referring to some scriptures and you can put it up on the screen for the people at home. Uh, in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 14, you can refer to that in your Bibles if you want. He said, you have said, God speaking to Israel. Now remember the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. You know, God said to them, you say, I don't love you. Or you say, wherein do you love me? And, and God says, was not, uh, was not Esau Jacob's brother, but Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And so this book of Malachi is about the relationship between God and Israel. And as he's expressing this now, he says to them, You have said, it is vain to serve God, and what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance? Now remember, well, last time I spoke, I referred to the psalm of Asaph, who said, I got guilty of looking at the world. And I, I, I beheld the world and I thought, well, you know, they don't suffer and they're not condemned and they seem to have a good life and they're increased and everything like that. He says, but when I went to the house of God, then I discovered the truth of the matter. Then, and so his eyes became open. And so now he's, God is speaking to Israel kind of in the same context. And he says, you have said it's vain to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinances? That we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. And now we call that proud, happy, yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Then they that feared the Lord 
spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written. Amen. Before him, for them that feared the Lord and that thought on his name. So when, when you're pondering the things of God, when you're fellowshipping around the Word of God, there is a remembrance before God. Even as Brother Branham said, when you speak about Him, He draws near. So there's a spiritual heavenly connection based on fellowship and thoughts on the Word of God. And so he goes on and he says, uh, They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. I say amen to that. In that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall you return and be and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Now, this is a powerful scripture because he's saying now, you that have thought on me. Now, why are you thinking on God? The reason you're thinking of God is because A, you're fellowshipping in what God has done for you, or B, you're maybe pondering a question that you don't understand. Brother Branham often did that. He talks about that in uh, uh, New Ministry. And, and he talks about how that he was out squirrel hunting and he was pondering that scripture, if you say to this mountain. And so he was pondering and he, and he thought, and he was thinking of himself how it fit in the scriptures and how it fit in the atonement because all things were in the atonement, but that was spoken before the atonement was made. And so as he's thinking on these things, he's not realizing, but God is dealing with him. So often that's the way it is even with ministers, and I trust with all of us, but with ministers, we don't just get a thought because it's our turn to preach. We're often pondering the Word of God. We're often thinking about things. Someone will say something or, or a little statement or, or something, or you'll get into an atmosphere and God will begin to quicken things. Because when you get into the presence of the Lord, the gift within you begins to operate. It's just the way it is. Listen, let somebody get up here preaching. I don't care who it is. Brother Murphy, Brother Michael, Brother John, whoever it is. uh, I'm sure Brother Tom will agree with me. Let them stand up here preaching and, and we'll be sitting there and it's like, I could get up right now and finish that thought. You know why? Because the gift begins to operate. It's It's not the man. It's not the intelligence. But there's something that God put in the man. He ascended up on high and gave gifts unto men. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. And so this is all in God's great economy. And so now as the scripture says, he says, as you ponder these things, as you're in these things, he says, then you will return. Now, when he's talking about returning to Israel, he's talking about their restoration to their inheritance. But we can apply it to our restoration to our inheritance because we have an inheritance that Adam lost in the beginning. And since the inheritance was lost in the beginning, that Jesus said, Blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. For kings and great men have desired to hear these things. They've desired to see the things that you're seeing. You see, what he's saying is, they have pondered these things. They have thought about these things. They have wondered at these things, but it wasn't for their time. But now things are being revealed in your day, and blessed are your eyes. 
and blessed are your ears. And so he begins to express that to, to the disciples. But, but the scripture here says, you shall return and then you will discern between the righteous and the wicked. Between him that serves God and him that serveth him not. He's not saying you will discern between the religious and the non-religious. Catch it now. He's not saying you'll discern between what seems good and what's not. What's moral and not moral. No, he says you'll discern between the righteous. I'll dwell on righteousness a little bit because Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Is that right? What is the righteous? Those that believe God. And God accounts it to them for righteousness. When God sends His word in their day, they believe God. And so Abraham believed God. And you'll be able to discern, God said to Israel. And now say it to us as we come to our inheritance. I'm way ahead of myself. But as we come to our inheritance, I'll just drop this in now and then we'll take a loop around back to it. But as we come now in these last days to our inheritance, the purpose is that you can know who the righteous are and who the unrighteous are. Let's go to Jesus' day. Peter thought it was a good thing to say, Lord, you won't suffer. We won't let you suffer. Matter of fact, we're not, you know, you talk about these evil men taking you and, 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 and beating you or whatever more. He says, we're not going to let that happen. We're your disciples and we're here to protect you. And what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Why? Because he was inspired with a wrong inspiration that was not of God. The inspiration of God for that hour was that Jesus was the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. That's what Jesus was trying to get them to see. The devil was trying to push Jesus, by the disciples even, to take the throne of David, but that wasn't the time. There had to be a bride first come into existence that would sit with him in his throne. And so... There's a discernment that must happen. There must be an understanding that happens. What is righteous and what is wickedness? Isn't righteousness just to do good? Paul says, though I speak with tongue of men and angels and have not love. I'm a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Though I have all faith to move mountains. Though I understand all mysteries and have not love. He says, I'm nothing. Sometimes we think, oh, if I could understand all mysteries, that's righteous. Paul says, if you miss this key ingredient, you're not. Oh, if I had faith to move mountains, but if you miss love. Oh, if, if I, you know, be careful. Jesus said, you need to come to the revelation of what is right and what is wrong. In God's sight. Amen. You with me so far? So what does it mean to have a revelation of your name? Written in heaven. To know, rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Does it mean just to understand the doctrine? That, you know, you, there's no new name written in heaven and we know God's eternal and, and it's written before the foundation of the world. Jesus in John 17 as he's praying for the church and praying in that chapter. He says, he says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me, this is verse 24, be, that thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me 
before the foundation of the world. So now Jesus himself praying, which of course he was the word, but he's praying, Lord, Father, I'm praying, understanding that I'm in your love before the foundation of the world. Amen? Okay, so now remember, that was Jesus. Now, Paul in Ephesians 1 and verse 3, and I'm just taking this slowly just to kind of lay this in here. Ephesians 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. Jesus said, you love me before the foundation of the world. I'm praying for these that they may be one even as we are one. And Brother Branham often goes from that one ship to where Jesus says, in that day you'll know I am in the Father, the Father in me, I in you and you in me. So there's a revelation in there. And so as he's laying it out now in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul picking up, he's chosen us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So as Jesus prayed... Father, I thank you that you loved me before the foundation of the world. We can also pray, Father, I thank you that you loved me before the foundation of the world. Amen? It's not something... He didn't love you because you behaved yourself today. He didn't love you because you didn't make a mistake today. Is there anyone like that? Did anyone not make a mistake today? We make mistakes every day, Brother Branham said. But yet he loved us before the foundation of the world. I always loved Spurgeon who said, I know that he loved me before I was born because I know he would never have loved me after I was born. Come on, we all can put an amen to that one. Amen. He didn't love you because he felt sorry for you. He loved you because you were in in his thoughts before the foundation of the world. Chosen us in Him, in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Amen. We know the scripture in Revelation 17, talking about the beast and the great whore. And it says... The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast which was and is not and yet is. There'll be those that worship the beast. There'll be those that worship the system of religion that is antichrist. Because their names were never written in the book. Alright? So then we, so then if we talk about Jesus saying, rejoice that your name is written in heaven, then it, then do we say just knowing those facts, is that the rejoicing? I say that's not the rejoicing because that's just the doctrine. Doctrine doesn't bring joy. Revelation brings joy. Alright? Doctrine, if you look at the, at the, uh, 
a bright tree. As Brother Brown talks about the cankerworm, palmworm, caterpillar, locust eating off the tree down to a stump in the dark ages. One of the things that it ate off was, or one of the last things that it ate off was the bark. And the bark was the protection of the tree, the doctrine. The church has doctrine. The church has something that it knows where it stands. We have the truth of the Word of God. But that's not our joy. Our joy is the revelation that God opens our eyes to because joy is a fruit, not bark. And so the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and so forth. So before the foundation of the world, we were in the mind of God. We were written in a book, so to speak. And that is when we can say the Logos comes into view. That is this time that God begins to manifest Himself, and we were in Christ there. All of the attributes of God were in Christ there, the Logos. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In the beginning was the Logos. Amen? Amen. The, and the word, the Logos was with God. The Logos was God. All that was God, he poured himself into another form called the Logos. Brother Bram says that's where the Lamb's Book of Life comes into view. He says that's where King Theophany comes into view. There's so many things that come into view at that time. So, so here we are manifested in this hour. Stay with me. I know I'm just laying these little nuggets in here, but we are manifested in this day. As a realization now of the reference that God wrote back here. He wrote your name there. But now as he wrote your name here, here you are today. He wrote that for a reason. These are the ones I love. These are the ones who is in Christ that I love. And you become materialized here today. Hallelujah. And you are the ones that He loves. And you are the ones that He reveals Himself to. Because when He wrote your name, He was writing His own characteristics back then in Christ. And now in this hour, we become materialized as the written reference now brought forward into the present hour. Amen. Alright, now we're, we're at the start. As John recorded in Revelation chapter 5, and I I just have to just refer briefly to my notes because this is too much joy just to go by notes. All right? But as John come to a place in Revelation chapter 5 that represented what would take place in our day, as he was in a vision, remember he was in a vision. The seals were not opened in John's day, he was in a vision. The seals were opened in our day. But John recorded what he saw in the vision to describe the thoughts of God that would be materialized in the future. That's prophecy. All right. Prophecy, as I said before, is the thoughts of God not yet materialized. Prediction is a, is a, is deduction from inspiration and the Bible that it looks like this is what's going to happen. But prophecy or the mind of God or the thoughts of God that were expressed back there must come to pass. Heavens and earth will pass away, but God's word will never fail. Uh-huh. We, we all believe and understand these things. And so when John was caught up into this heaven, 
after he received the revelation of the seven church ages. Then in Revelation chapter 4, the throne. And, and now Revelation chapter 5, he sees the book now come into view. And one sitting on the throne. And his right hand, he had this book. And, and uh, it was announced, who's worthy to open the book and to loose the seals? And it was searched through heaven and earth and under the earth to find one that was worthy. And nobody was found worthy. And so then the Bible says John wept. He did not rejoice. He wept. He was sad. There was something about it that that he just felt like there needs to be a fulfillment and I'm not happy. There's something in me welling up. See, a lot of times there's there there is in you things that are eternal that you don't even understand yet. There were things happening to the disciples that they didn't even understand yet. That Jesus had to explain to them. When they saw supernatural power and demons were subject to them, they were rejoicing as though it was a great thing. And Jesus said, don't bother rejoicing. That's really not what you need to rejoice about. But what you need to rejoice about, and they maybe never even understood this statement, you need to rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now here's John, one of those disciples that's back there, now in a vision in Revelation chapter 5, seeing a book. Is there something about that book? I don't think John was a super genius. He was just recording what God showed him. He's a prophet. And that's what a prophet does. A prophet doesn't figure things out. A prophet speaks what God tells him to speak. Sometimes people say, oh, Brother Branham thought this and Brother Branham thought that. You know, I, I was talking to a brother recently about translation. And and I, he said, you know, people are upset. You know, people say this about translation and who has the rights to translate and who has this. I said, I said, look in the scripture. It says, the Bible says, God in sundry times and diverse manners spake unto us by the prophets, but now has spoken to us by his son. I said, that son in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3 said to the churches. He told the messenger, write to the churches. Unto the church of the Laodiceans, write these things. I says, so whose message is it? Brother Branham was the messenger. He was not the author. Hello? Sometimes we want to put Brother Branham as the author. He, 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 he just spoke the things that God told him to speak. Amen. It's thus saith the Lord, not thus saith William Branham. And so as a result, he's the messenger that speaks it. So here's John as a prophet in the Isle of Patmos now recording these things that he's being shown in a vision, being told to write them down, and he's catching a revelation, this book. And that someone's not worthy to open the book, and he starts to weep. And one of the elders says to John, now John, don't weep, because the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. To open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And John turned to see the lion and he saw the lamb. As it had been slain, he saw Christ. He saw the one who was his Lord, his Savior, his Redeemer. A lamb that was slain in the mind of God before the foundation of the world in time 2,000 years ago. Now step forward to claim the book. He had made the propitiation. And as he took the book out of the right hand of him. Let me just read it for you Him here. As he took the book in verse 11 it picks it up. It says, and I beheld. 
And I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands. What's ten thousand times ten thousand? That's a hundred million, isn't it? Something like that. And so, a hundred million, millions of angels and millions and millions saying with a loud voice. Now there's a choir for you. Hello. You can be quiet tonight if you want to. But when John redeemed the book, there was a hundred million angels rejoicing. Glory to God. They were shouting. They were saying, the Bible says, and they weren't just talking. They were saying with a loud voice, the scripture says, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength. And honor and glory and blessing. Hallelujah. They were shouting. They were rejoicing. And then he goes on to say, And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Hallelujah. What were they doing? They were having a jubilee. Because now the book was redeemed. Brother Branham picks it up in the, in the third seal. And he talks about, I talk, he's, he's actually speaking about Ruth and the kinsman redeemer now here in the third seal. Now third seal remembers hurt not the oil and the wine. And, uh, Michael so, so wonderfully preached on that. It says, now, so Ruth was just waiting because she'd already labored. She'd done all these other things. She was waiting. So he's arrived now at the end of the book of Ruth. We'll come back to Ruth, Lord willing. And then when the church is waiting, resting, many of them, most of them in the dust of the earth while he's doing his kinsman work. The world's still going worse and sin is heaping up and sickness and trouble and death and sorrow. That doesn't sound very exciting. The world is in a bad shape. He says, the godless men and godless women die right down. Cancer eats them up and everything else when they can't appropriate enough faith to reach out there and take a hold of it. Then he says, he comes forth, takes the book out of the hand of him. And then John and everything in heaven, the souls under the altar begin screaming. We get that in the sixth seal again, he says, and how they rejoiced and fell down the elders and poured out the prayers of the saints and the souls under the altar cried, worthy art thou because you redeemed us. We're going back to live on the earth as kings and priests. He says, John said, everybody in heaven, everything beneath the earth, everything heard him praising God about it. John must have found his name there. Hallelujah. Now maybe John could say, that's what he was talking about. Don't rejoice that devils are subject unto you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And here's John caught up in this vision, which was not actually happening. It was a vision, but it actually happened in our day. Come on. I I don't know if you understand this. Do you know what day you're living in? Not only have kings and priests desired to understand these things, they've desired to live in your day. 
In the day when the word becomes open, John saw it in a vision and rejoiced in a vision. But when you see in this day, because of the open book, that your name is written in heaven. Hallelujah. Everybody ought to hear you rejoicing. Now, Brother Branham said, the world's getting worse. Sickness is getting worse. The, the, the world is going on in sin. Men and women becoming evil all the time. But John, in the midst of all of that, he was rejoicing in heaven because he could see his name written there. Hallelujah. John must have found his name on there. Now, in the Church Age book, Brother Branham talks about the Lamb's Book of Life. He goes into a lengthy uh, section on it in the Church Age book. You can read it when you go home. It's page 265 to 286 of the Exposition of the Seven Church Ages. And uh, it's, that's 21 pages. And Brother Branham goes into the details of the Lamb's Book of Life. You can put the slides up for me if you like. I thought I'd just go through an aspect of this because I wanted you to see something here. Obviously, the reason that this is on my heart on the subject of joy is to dis- is that the Lord would show us what really brings joy. And if we can see that, then we have something to rejoice about. Amen? And I, and I say, if we can see it, I don't mean if we can see what I'm preaching tonight. I mean if we can see our name on the book. Amen. All right, let me just talk about this, the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, Brother Brown describes in this section here how the Book of Life and, and the Lamb's Book of Life, it's all one book, relates to four different types of lives here on the earth. And he goes into it in detail. And the first thing that he mentions, or the first of the four groups, as he goes through the four groups, and this is all out of the church age book, he talks about is the bride. And he says it was God's purpose to bring forth a people like unto himself that would be a word bride. It was a, it was a purpose. Listen, I, I, I want to talk about, maybe as we get to the end, this Brother Bram talks about the armor girl, the, the armor company, and the boss's son that went to find a wife. And he found this girl who wasn't a part of the festivities, but she was kind of just laboring in the camp, kind of like a Rebecca, and doing the character things. And and the, one of the first things he says he asked her was, do you know the purpose of why I'm here? And you know, that's really something that God comes to us to bring to us. Do you really understand the purpose of why I came? It's not because I felt sorry for sinners. It's not because, you know, I, I just uh, hope somebody would believe in me. No, he had a purpose. It was God's purpose to bring forth a people like unto himself that would be a word bride. She was chosen before the foundation of the world in him. Now you understand why I read those scriptures. She was chosen before the foundation of the world in him, as Jesus recognized that, she's to recognize that. She was foreknown and beloved 
before she was ever brought forth during the ages upon the earth. She was redeemed by his blood and can never come into condemnation. Oh, if we could really let these individual sentences anchor in our hearts. It was his purpose to have a word bride. She was chosen before the world. She was foreknown and beloved before she was ever on the earth. Put your name there. You were foreknown. You were chosen. You're redeemed by his blood and you can never come into condemnation. Further, he says, she can never be in the judgment because sin cannot be imputed unto her. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, let that revelation be a part of our existence. Let it quicken us within our soul realm. All right. So he's talking about this first group that was God's purpose. Then after that, he goes into the foolish virgin. And I'll just quickly go through these other groups and come back to the bride. The foolish virgin and the righteous of Matthew chapter 25. He says, secondly, there is another class. Their names are also in the book of life. And they will come up in the second resurrection. Such are the foolish virgins and the righteous, as are spoken of in Matthew 25. Alright? What, remember what is righteous? To believe God. Alright? In this class also are those who do not worship the beast or become involved in the Antichrist system, but die for their faith, even though they are not in the bride, not having been born again. Alright, what are they lacking? They're the foolish virgin lacking the oil. But they will come up in the second resurrection and go into eternal life. As you read through this section of the church age book, you'll find that why do these come up in this judgment? Because there's nowhere else to come up. The first resurrection is for the bride. This resurrection at the end of the world, at the white throne judgment, is for everybody else. We're not going into all the details on that. So that's the foolish virgin virgin and the righteous. Then he talks about borderline believers, Israel in the wilderness, Judah, etc. He says, thirdly, there's, there are borderline Christians such as we saw in Israel coming out of Egypt. These had their names in the book of life and their works written in the books. They have, these having failed to obey God and being void of the spirit, though even the signs and wonders were amongst them, will have their names removed from the book of life. Among this group will be ones like Judas, who was in that group that Jesus said, don't rejoice that devils are subject to you, but rather that your name is written in heaven. Judas didn't have anything to rejoice about. Cain never had anything to rejoice about. All right? They're religious. Excuse me, but their names are not written there. Amongst this group will be ones like Judas, who will, though entirely void of the Spirit, but are religious, will have the manifestation in their lives, and though on the books were not the elected in Him, such also as Balaam will be in that group. Alright, so that's the third group. The fourth group being those that never were written in the book. Fourth and finally, Brother Branham says, are the ones whose names have never been or ever will be Written on the books. What a sad place to be. But God. And, and again we could go into the many things. That brother Branham brings out in this section. God is sovereign. He's, he made the whole world. 
He's able to make one vessel to honor and another vessel to dishonor. He's able to make a Moses and make a Pharaoh. Amen. God chooses the ones he will do to, he will make to fulfill his purpose and he brings everything to pass according to his own glory. We live in an age where people think they have some kind of say in how things happen, an age of people's rights, and they feel like they got some kind of opinion that's worth something. Let me tell you, if you're listening tonight, God is God. He does as He chooses. No man has been His counselor. Nobody tells God what to do. God does what God will do. But to the believer that's in Him, that's a rest. Because God has revealed His purpose to us. God has shown Himself to us. So there's these four groups. The bride of Jesus Christ is the one we're dwelling on tonight. And Brother Branham says also in the church age book, he says, make no mistake about it. He says, a purpose, a person rather that is truly baptized by the Holy Ghost into the body of Christ, receiving the full fullness of the Spirit, will be in the Word all the way. Amen. God... God's Spirit in a believer doesn't believe anything else except the Word of God. That's just the reality of it. Amen. Let me, let me just take a step back here. I was thinking about these four groups. And I, I, as I was staring at this, I was thinking, you know, those are in number from the least to the most. As far as, I, I don't have any proof of saying that. I just say, statistically, your pride is probably the fewest. And then the next fewest would be the foolish virgin and the righteous. And then the next fewest would be borderline believers. And the most are those that are never written in the book. I am one of the few. One of the few and by faith in God's word I can claim it. Amen. In the word all the way. I want to look at a couple things in, in perfect faith before we finish these slides here and move on. Brother Brown says in the message, perfect faith, he says, now these are the, our real deep lessons and I'll catch the top of it. Then you dig down in it. Not to offend anybody, but if you're only listening to tapes. How are you ever going to fulfill this? There, there are those that think the, that to be in the message is only to listen to tapes. You don't need preachers. I'll tell you what. You need the fivefold ministry. You need the gifts that God put in the body to dig down into these things that a prophet of God said, I'll catch the top of it. But you dig down into it. Amen. So there's wonderful truths that Brother Branham brings out in these things that he wants us as a church to get into the meat of it. All right. I'll, I'll explain that as I go on here. There's a reason I say that. He says in perfect faith, he says, now here's where many people fail to receive their healing. What they're asking for because they take faith to be something that it is not. They don't believe it. It's not an imagination. It's an actual substance. Now listen close. See, it is not what you imagine. 
it's just as real to you as any sense of your body will declare anything else. It's as real as my eye says, this is a piece of paper. Alright, so he, he takes a piece of paper. I'll take a piece of paper. This is a piece of paper. You say, well, that's elementary, Brother Tim. But he says, that's just as real as faith should be to you. He says, it's just as real to say that that is a light. I'll say, it's just as real to say that this is a pulpit. It's solid. Now, if I didn't believe it, I would just walk through it. But I would run into it. Because it's real. And as real as that is, is as real as faith is. When a person has faith and says, by his stripes, I am healed. They have to understand all the aspects, not understand. I don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say intellectual understanding, but they have to catch every part of that revelation by his stripes. Whose stripes? Who's the his? It's the lamb. That was slain for our sins. That was, that was, that was the price, the propitiation, the sacrifice for our salvation and our healing. That it's a twofold covenant by His stripes. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. With His stripes I am healed. Amen. By His stripes I I am healed. I. Not there is healing. I am healed. Who am I? That word's for me. I am a part of the one that scripture was written for. I'm a part of the redeemed. I'm a part of the blessed of the Lord. I'm a part of those that was in his mind before the foundation of the world. I see myself there because I see myself here. My name was in the book. Rejoice that your name was written in heaven. Because if you can see your name written in heaven, you can see your name written in the promises. Hallelujah. I am healed. Every blessing is mine. It's all mine. It's my inheritance. I'm the one that he's speaking about. Hallelujah. He says that's what faith is. It's just as real to you. Ron Spencer is holding to that tonight. You know, he's, he's a soldier. He's a warrior. He's a, he's a battler. I was praying for him today. We we're all praying for him today. And I, I'm not anything special. We're all praying for him. He's a man. He knows what pain is. He knows what it is to suffer. That's why we prayed for brother Tom. He's a man. He's not a superhuman. Hello. But he's a man. But he walks by faith. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Any man, any woman that sees their name in the book says, nothing's impossible with my God. I was in him before the foundation of the world. I was in Christ in him. I was in Christ in him in love before the foundation of the world. All of his promises are mine. I'm claiming them because my name's on the book. Not because I'm special. Not because I'm superhuman. Not because I got some special gift. Matter of fact, if I had a gift, it wouldn't be for me anyway. It'd be for the body. But because I'm his, my name's on the book. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, did I skip over one here? He says, now the only thing you have to do then is have faith in what you are. Have faith in what the word says you are. 
Jesus had faith in the word of God that said what he was. It is written of me. Didn't David in the Psalms and the prophets and all of them speak of him? I am the bread of life that came down from God out of heaven. What a testimony to stand there on that day when they're standing there saying, Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. Jesus says, I am the bread of life that came. Talk about a revelation. He walked by perfect faith in what the word said he was. He's not interested in the contradiction of sinners that he endured with day after day after day. They had an intellectual understanding of the scripture. They had a, they had a religious understanding by their traditions. They made the word of God of no effect, but he stood there and he spoke to them. This is what the word says I am. And it's going to come to pass. Destroy this temple in three days. I'll raise it up again. As Job Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights. So shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. What was he saying? He says, that word cannot fail. That's speaking of me. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And the voice of the archangel and the trump of God shall sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up with them. To meet the Lord in the air. That's speaking of me. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. I will give it to you. That's speaking of me. In that day you'll know that I'm in the Father. The Father in me. I and you and you and me. I'm the you in that sentence. Hallelujah. Uh, Jesus, John 17 says, Neither do I pray for these alone. But I pray for those who will believe because of their words. That's me he was praying for. Hallelujah. And it has nothing to do with how I feel. It's revealed. Hallelujah. Brother Michael talked about revelation. Stimulation of revelation. Touched on it last time I spoke. But stimulation of revelation, there's a reason for that. There's a reason it's oil and wine. It's not just oil and it's not just wine. Oil represents the Holy Spirit, but the wine represents the stimulation of revelation because it takes revelation to operate the Holy Spirit. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is bound by a law and that law is a law of faith or revelation. So the wine has to go with the oil that always has to be in the church. It's not just the oil. Say, oh, we had a wonderful Holy Ghost meeting. But the revelation has got to be there to quicken the promise to you, show you who you are and show you who your rights is. And if the power of God is in you, you claim it and walk in it. And it must happen exactly the way God said it. Hallelujah. Not much, not much teaching, is it? More like preaching. He knew that. He knew with that a perfect faith that he was the anointed Messiah. That the Spirit of God was upon him. And he said, now I myself do nothing, but it's my faith in God. And God was in him. And the Word, the, excuse me, the Word made manifest. And when the Word of God comes in you, it's made manifest for you are a believer. See? And a believer is the faith of God that moves in you. Let me put it in another phrase. A believer is the revelation from God that moves in you. 
Because faith is a revelation. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. So you are the revelation of what God showed you. And it has nothing to do with how you're feeling. You might come through, just have come through the worst week of your life. Beat up, drug out, all kinds of uh, situations that maybe uh, the devil's trying to tell you. How can you be a son of God? But it's real to you. I believe the word of God. I believe it more than anything. I'll tell you what, that's your joy. Never lose that, your joy. And as that is real to you, then you deny your own flesh. You deny your own feelings and you walk by faith in the Word. And it's like uh, the one man, I think Brother Biscoe even quoted it one time. He's in a hole, you know, and he says, Lord, I'm in this hole. Or he says, Lord, we're in this hole. Says, Lord, it's a deep hole. But he said, you get out, I'll hang on, and we'll both be out. God is with you. I'll be with you, even in you, unto the end of the age. I'll never leave you, forsake you. All that the Father has given me will come to me. Those are yea and amen. That's absolutely thus saith the Lord. God won't lose a single one. Is this all right tonight? If it's not, I'll stand alone and preach it. I'll still believe it. Amen. A believer is the faith of God that moves in you. Jesus lived in a world that no one knowed about. He was an odd person. You ever feel that way? He lived in a world of perfect faith in the perfect God in which he was. If we lived in a perfect faith of a Christian to what we are. Did you catch that? If we lived in a perfect faith of a Christian to what we are. We'd be a mystic to the world. The people wouldn't understand you. I trust you're there. This was spoken in 1963 or 65. I can't remember. 65 maybe. And, and, and this is now 2020. This is almost 60 years ago. The church should be here. Are you here? You ever wonder why the world doesn't understand you? Because you're called to be a mystic to this world. They won't understand you. He says the people wouldn't understand you. You'd walk in the Spirit. What the Spirit said, you would do. What it forbid, you'd not do. Hallelujah. You sound odd to the world. You, you don't fit into the realm of human emotion and sympathy. You know, like Jesus, when he was walking on the earth, a mystic to the world. One man says, oh, Lord, I'll come and follow you. Let me go. And uh, I think he said, bury my dad or something. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. What is that to you? Come and follow me. What an unsympathetic man. My, what? what no, it was a different realm. He was a mystic to the world. This isn't about an earthly kingdom. This is about a heavenly kingdom. This isn't about a name written on a birth certificate in Canada or United States. This is about a name written on a book before the foundation of the world. I'm a part of that book. Hallelujah. I'm a part of that book. You're a part of that book. It's not just a, a book with a bunch of letters in it. It's a book of the very attributes of God. God revealing Himself is describing what you are in Him. Oh my, let's just carry on here. I'll never get where I, where I want to get to tonight. Excuse me for always looking at my watch. He says you'd, the people wouldn't understand. You'd walk in the Spirit what the Spirit said you would do. What it forbid, 
you'd not do. Amen. And that's the slides. Amen. So, so the scripture we read a couple weeks ago, Hebrews 1 and verse 8 says, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Paul introducing Christ to the Hebrews, the deity of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, the Messiah, God in flesh. And he takes from chapter 1 to chapter 7 of Melchizedek to describe who Jesus is and what his authority and position is. That's why I always wondered, you probably did too, Brother Tom, wondered, maybe you already knew, but why did Brother Branham only preach the Hebrew series to chapter 7? Because he's just preaching the deity of Jesus Christ. He didn't go into all the rest of it. That wasn't the subject that he was preaching on. But as he's preaching the Hebrew series and he goes through it, and that's what Paul's breaking down to the church in the deity of Jesus Christ. He says, the, but unto the Son, not angels, unto the Son, he said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. What's righteousness? To believe God. And it's accounted to him for righteousness. That's his authority. I believe God. I am the bread that came down from heaven. I am what the word spoke of me. I am the lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. That's his scepter. And if he's made us kings and priests, then that's your scepter too. That's your right of rule. That's your, your instrument of authority. I believe what he told me. I believe what the word says about me. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the government says. It doesn't matter all those things. What matters is what God said. He says, thou hast loved righteousness. There it is again. And hated iniquity. Knowing what is right to do and not doing it. Iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. There's the rejoicing, the gladness once again, as Jesus was walking in it. Why? Because he was walking with a scepter of righteousness, of perfect faith in what the word said he was. He had a rejoicing that nobody else knew. He was anointed above his fellows. He was the book of life. He was the fullness of God dwelling bodily in flesh. He was all in all of it and you were in Him there. And because you were in Him there, you came to be manifested now. But now we've come to the hour of rejoicing where God now reveals Himself to the church. Not as God, but as bridegroom. God reveals himself that way to you to bring a level of gladness that the church hasn't had till this age. Now bear with me. This only comes to the bride. I'm going to take 10 minutes to get down this road here. And we'll close. This level of gladness only can come to the bride. Because it's based on revelation. And this revelation only came in this hour. This is bride time. This is where a prophet could say, I no longer call you church, I call you bride. Where he could say, the church has, the, the bride has been united to him. In the marriage, on this side, we go to the marriage supper. Are you with me so far? So let me ask you a question. You believe in him, 
And because you believe him, it imparts more joy the more you see yourself in the word. The only thing that brings joy is revelation. I'll say it again. He says, I'm sorry, the only thing that brings this joy is revelation. There's other types of joy. He says, and then I'll say this, why do you love the message? Why do you love the message? I'm not talking about why you should love the message. Why do you love the message? It's because you see yourself there. Like John in Revelation chapter 5, there was something about that book. As somebody's got to redeem that book. And then Brother Brown says, when it was redeemed, then John saw his name there. And they created such a great rejoicing. So is it when the revelation of that book, the message of the hour, comes to you personally, it produces a rejoicing. Now, i got to stop here for a moment and say, if you're not there, you just stay in God's presence till you get there. God has it for you. It's, it's not something that you gotta work yourself up into because revelation is sovereignly given of God. God sent this message to bring you to a level of revelation and stimulation by revelation that can only be attained in the message of the hour. I feel sorry for people that leave the message. I just love the message. I don't claim to know everything. I just love it. Whenever I listen to a message, I get something out of it. Whenever I read a message book, I get something out of it. Because of the message, this book became a new book to me. Amen. Because I understood it in a way I never understood it before. It became personal. It was no longer this is the precepts of God. It's this is what my soul has always desired. So the joy of the bride of Christ... That is comparable to the, to the joy that, jo, that John felt. There's many joys in the Bible. We won't go into it. But I, as I was thinking of this, and I was thinking about how John felt, I was thinking about the oil of gladness. It suddenly began to dawn on me that the only comparable is the joy of a bride. And brothers... I hate to say it to you, in the natural, you have no clue. Because you've never been a natural bride. But I sat my wife down. And I said, I want to quiz you here about certain things in a relationship. I just preached on femininity, so I felt like I can maybe go down that road a little bit. And and because I wanted to know, because I'm not feminine, I'm masculine. Uh, Is that okay? I know which side of the street I walk on. Let's, let's put it that way. Praise the Lord. But we need to see the feminine side to see this joy. Because, don't laugh at me. It's the joy of Ruth when Naomi showed her the true interest of Boaz. That he will not rest till all things be fulfilled. It's the joy of Esther To know the place she held in the kingdom. It's the joy of the armor girl. That she, as she began to discover, as Brother Brown describes that in the third seal or the sixth seal, I think it is. He describes that. And and he, as he, 
begins to describe this uh, this girl who felt she was nothing and then discovered she had obtained the interest of the man that everybody wanted to marry. It, it brought something in her and it brought something out of her. And I'll say it this way. It's the joy of weakness in finding its strength. What does it mean for a woman? I had to ask my wife. Now, this is not her thoughts. I asked her certain questions so that I could discern from those questions. So don't worry. I'm not telling you what my wife told me. I'm telling you about the general picture here. So, firstly, sisters, you can pull a little bit on this. All right. Firstly, there's the joy of anticipation. Boy meets girl. Girl meets boy. All of a sudden, events in life take on a new meaning. Because the girl who grew up thinking about one day being married or being swept off her feet by a knight in shining armor, whatever way you want to term it, now it's like, is this the time? So now there's an initial joy of anticipation and Maybe mixed with that, some possible trepidation. What if? What if it isn't real? What if it isn't true? What if it doesn't work out? What, what if it doesn't happen the way I thought it would happen? What if I don't know the real Him? Now that's the natural. I'll go to the spiritual. Just in Uganda, just this last week, there was a meeting in Uganda Brother Stephen Abali was introducing the message to 25 Methodist ministers. The Pentecostals heard the message. The Baptists heard the message. Now the Methodists are hearing the message. I got the video. You'll see the video on the website in the near future. Now, as he's talking to them and preaching them, they had heard the radio broadcast that we had sponsored. They had listened to it. And so they wanted to hear in person the things of this message, and they wanted to ask questions, and so they were gathered together. They weren't allowed to have church, so they're kind of outside, socially distanced, you would say, and 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 sitting and listening to Brother Stephen preach. And at the end of it all, they they confessed, this is the truth, and we need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there became now some trepidation. Well, if we embrace this message, what happens to the buildings we currently occupy? If we believe the message, what will take place? See, I'm, I'm speaking like Paul tonight. Uh, I show you a mystery, but really I'm speaking about Christ and the church. I'm not just speaking about a woman that's finding love. I'm speaking about Christ and the church. When you first became a Christian, well, what if? what will my family say? What will my friends say? What will my, my, what will my business associates say? What will happen to my, what about my job? What about this? What about my ambitions? What about all these things? Brother Stephen gave these method, these ministers good advice. Don't worry about that now. Whatever will happen, will happen. But you just need to embrace the truth. So they experienced the joy of their 
great anticipation of coming into the light of the word, then comes the next stage of relationship of the joy of getting to know the person. We call it courtship. And uh, uh, you maybe uh, you're able to now talk with the person. The, the little girl, the young lady is able to maybe have conversation. Brother Branham even said about the armor girl, you know, that he kept in touch with her. He kept talking to her over time, maybe sending letters, whatever it would be in that day. And, and so she was expecting him to come to the marriage. She was expecting him for that certain time. And, and other people didn't really know about it, but she was getting to understand him. And so it is in the believer, as Christ begins to reveal himself to you, you begin to understand him more. You begin to see yourself a little bit more in his eyes. And the talk becomes deeper about the meaning of life. And then it becomes the hopes and the dreams and the ambitions and where is he going. In other words, try beginning to catch his purpose. Are you with me so far? And so all of these things now the woman begins to see. Is, the, is he really the right one for me? The joy begins to build. Are you with me? There, there's another level of joy here in the courtship as they begin to, as Brother Brown would say, their hearts begin to beat as one. And they begin to understand each other. And so, so if he, if he does it right, I remember a young man coming to me for one of my daughters and, and, and wanted to court her. And I, I said, you know, well, what are you doing for a living? I kind of already knew. He says, well, he says, I'm delivering pizza. And I said, well, what's, what's your objective? He says, well, I don't know. I said, well, that ain't going to cut it. <laughs> See, and I said, you better find yourself a trade or something. And, and to his credit, he did. He went out, got a trade, became uh, in a position where he could raise a family and provide for that family. And God bless him for that and all those things. So, that, so there's this stage of getting to know. And then after that comes the joy of engagement. And that's really where the church has been through seven church ages, is the joy of engagement, the betrothed, the commitment of life together, but not yet life together. The questions should be over. The, the, now it's the time to relax. It's kind of like Ruth uh, resting now for Boaz, who, as he said, I will... I will do that what you've asked me to do. And she's resting and Naomi is explaining to her. He will not rest till all is fulfilled and, and so on and so forth. The decision is made to be forever joined together. Brother Branham says about engagement, she's your wife, but you're not married yet. All right. And that's the way the church was through seven church ages. They were the betrothed. But now in the last days. Now we come to the great time because nothing beats the joy of marriage. Oh, I didn't get very many amens. I thought you'd say amen to that one, Brother Tom. Not, not, he did say amen, Sister Joanne. I'm just giving him a rough time. Nothing beats the joy of marriage. There's other joys, but nothing beats the joy of marriage. My wife told me it's the best day of her life. And whether you believe me she said that or not, that's up to you. But she did say it. It's the happiest, most joyous day. And I, I thought it was interesting because it, as I begin to pull out of her the emotions of a woman in going, because I know how I felt, and maybe I knew a little bit about how she felt, but I begin to ask certain questions as I study that, that there becomes, and you married couples can 
can fellowship with me on this. There becomes a relaxing of being able to give yourself unreservedly and trust Him. More than there ever was before. So now I'll speak about it in the church. In the opening of the Word, there is a relaxing and a greater trust that is built up in Christ than ever has been down through the church ages. Praise be to God. Now, parents are nice. We all appreciate parents. But the joy of the one that loves you, who now becomes the only authority, becomes a great thrill in the woman's life, as Brother Branham describes it in the church age book, Under the Key of David, as he says, under the marriage ceremony, he says, no other man, no other power has any right or authority over that woman, but he, the bridegroom, alone. Hallelujah. Now I'm saying all this to say this, that this woman now begins to realize a part of her life that she never could realize before. Because while entering into the bonds of matrimony, it is actually freedom. By coming a bond slave to Christ, it is actually freedom. It is actually a liberty from all the things that restrained you from being who you were called to be. Now you are loose to fully manifest what Christ has put in you before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. And I, and I, I love this statement. This one my wife did make. She made a few others, but I, this one she did make. She says, after marriage, life becomes a new book. Oh, saints. Brother Brown said, after the opening of the seals, this become a new book. Hallelujah. This become a new book. And when God reveals himself, what's the opening of the seals? It's revealing to you your name that's written in heaven. Hallelujah. That brings a rejoicing in the church that she sees her name, which was written in heaven, now revealed because the Lamb has tore back the seals. The Lamb has revealed the mystery. It's like you found the answer to your life. Hallelujah. Rejoice not of the things that happen in this physical realm, whether devils are subject to you or not. Whether, whether sickness strikes you or not, it's, you have the victory anyway. Whatever happens in this natural realm, don't just rejoice there. That's a certain level, but rejoice that your name is in Him before the foundation of the world. You always were in Christ Jesus. Every promise in the book always was yours. There never was a time it didn't belong to you. You just had to come to the realization. It's all paid for. It's already yours as the musicians come. Let's close this service. It's already belongs to you. Brother Branham says in the Sardisian age, in that same section, actually the last paragraph of the Sardisian age. He says, once more the Spirit is spoken. Once again we have reviewed the record of what the Spirit has said to another age. And we have found the record correct. Another age has gone by and it was fulfilled exactly as he said it would be. What a consolation for us. This is to us to who hope to be in the last day bride. For it causes our hearts to leap for joy. 
that he is faithful and will perform his every promise. Hallelujah. When you see your name, it causes your heart to rejoice and say, he is faithful. I might be weak. I might be be miserable. I might be the least of all the saints. I might be the least in the body of Christ. But if I'm the skin on the bottom of his feet, I'm still on the head of Satan. Hallelujah. I found my name in the book. Oh, let's stand together. I want to sing that song. It was a great thing that he did for me. It's A flat, I think. Oh, it was a great thing. When you see it, when John saw the book being redeemed, it's not just an event of the last days. It's not just a, Lord help me, it's not just a, a, a mystery that's made known, even though it is mysteries that are made known, but it's not just that. It's the fulfillment of his redemptive pur- purpose and a revealing of it to his bride. This is you. This is you. Praise God. This is me. Hallelujah. I am that bride. I am that people. It's got nothing to do with my mistakes. I was waiting for that quiet spot. I'll say it again. It's got nothing to do with my mistakes. Because the devil would bind you up by your own humanity. And as long as we're in this humanity, we will make mistakes. That's why we make mistakes. Because this body is not yet redeemed. But we are of them that crucify the flesh. We are of them that deny and renounce the things of the flesh. Even the flesh that tells me you have to suffer. No, I have been redeemed. It was a great thing that he did for me. Can I have the words, please? The Lord has brought me through all my
of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their And everlasting joy shall be upon their head. Therefore I have anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. Everlasting joy showing you who you are in Him. Tearing the seals back so that you could see yourself in the book. No longer a sealed book. Not just the Bible, but the eternal book. The eternal redemptive purpose of God all that he had in his mind made known through the scriptures now made known you are what it's all about hallelujah you're not just a church you're not just betrothed anymore you've come into union with the word that you could have a joy that no one else knew let's bow our heads together Jesus knew he was the word. Jesus walked by perfect faith in that word. Nobody could rob Jesus of his joy. You are the word that's been called to manifest in this age. That's what the mysteries have been that have been revealed. To show us who we are. Oh, praise be to God. What a revelation unlike any other revelation. It's not a churchianity. It's not a, a greater holiness. It's not an extreme puritanism. It's a reality of a relationship with Jesus Christ that goes back before the Garden of Eden. That's the reality. If you're here tonight as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, whether here or somewhere else, you haven't entered into this relationship that's there for you. Why don't you just say, lift your hand, lift your heart, whatever you feel yourself. Why don't you, as we pray, you just commit yourself to Christ. Say, Lord, take me beyond earthly thinking.
Let me become a mystic to the world. Fill me with your word until joy and a peace that passes all understanding moves through my life. Heavenly Father, as we as we struggle in this world, Lord, when you were on the earth, the scripture records that you endured the contradiction of sinners or you endured the unbelief that was constantly being hurled at you. But you stood in the word, standing for what the word said you are. Lord, as we stand in these last days, Lord, I was reading about the little girl that Brother Branham talked about, the young lady that was betrothed to the, the rich man's son. And how that, Lord, she put, got her wedding garments ready. And Lord, the others snickered at her. They laughed at her. They tried to tell her, it's not like you think it is. But she believed. And he came for her at the appointed time. The world is trying to tell the bride, it's not like you think it is, but we believe, Lord. The church might say, oh, these people in this so-called message, they don't know what they're talking about, but we believe, Lord. We've seen your vindication. We've seen what you sent us, and we believe. There might be a few out of all those that are in the book, but Lord, we're the few that are waiting with our garments unsoiled by the world, washed in the water of the word, quickened by the power of your resurrection, standing in the strength that is yours alone. Though we are weak, your strength is made perfect in our weakness. We commit our lives to you. We commit this service to you. We ask, Lord, you'd go with us now as we go our way, as we go to our homes. As the people turn off their their internet connections, Lord, and ponder the things that you have spoken tonight, may it strike a deep resonating chord within their heart that they are the one that you are coming for. They're that one that you sent this message for. They're the one that you're revealing, unveiling yourself to. We commit each one to you, Lord. We ask your blessing now upon each life. May you just go with each one. May your faith drop into each heart. May sickness flee away. May sorrow and mourning flee away, O God. Lord, may the heaviness of the world flee away, O Lord, as we rejoice in the blessings that you've given to your bride. We love you. We commit this service to you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you're the bride of Jesus Christ? Amen. What a rejoicing. I'm so glad for this message. I love this message. That makes me seem weird to somebody. That's too bad. I just love this message. There's no greater message than this message. Hallelujah. You don't want to stand here and hear me say that for the next half hour. But this is a great message. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another. If you can't shake a hand, which we're not supposed to, then nod or say God bless you. We love you. Take care of yourself. As Brother Michael said, feel free to fellowship in the parking lot if you want. Socially distanced. (laughs) Amen. God bless you. The service is dismissed in the name of Jesus Christ.